Hey guys, Danny here, Music Lesson Business Academy, and in today's episode, I'm interviewing Tim Vurink from Allegro Music and Dance outside of my old stomping grounds, Chicago, Illinois. And we're going to talk about multiple streams of income, how to build wealth, and how to buy real estate no money down. Yeah, like on those commercials. All right, roll the intro. Hey guys, Danny here. Welcome back to another episode of Music Lesson Business Academy. Thanks so much for joining me. Special shout out to all you Platinum Club members. Before we get into the episode here today, just a little house cleaning, a couple announcements. Coming up on next week's episode, really cool interview doing with Mike Grande. He is unveiling a new platform for teaching online lessons that I think is going to be a game changer. So really, really excited to get that one out there. Also, if you guys would like to get a free module from Music Lesson Business Academy, the seven levers of the music lesson business, text MLBA, lowercase MLBA, to 81257 and you can get a free course. Today's episode is brought to you by Never Alone Business Services. Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO, websites, and more. Run by music school owners for music school owners. Mention you heard about it on Music Lesson Business Academy and save a hundred bucks. I do my Google ads with Chris over at Never Loan Business Services. Doing an awesome job for me. Been great with their service and follow-up. Really enjoying it. So check those guys out. They'll do a free marketing assessment for you. This episode is also brought to you by the fine folks over at TeacherZone, billing, scheduling, and student learning management, all wrapped up into one package. Check those guys out at TeacherZone.com and get a free demo of the software today. All right, let's get into today's episode with Tim. All right. Tim Vurink, welcome to Music Lesson Business Academy. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. And the pronunciation was close? That was excellent. That was really <laughs> a great job. I know. So I can, I have a, a second career at a hotel if I need to. There you go. You get to work, you know, or, or voiceover guy, right? Yeah. yeah. I've actually, it's funny. I, I've been a while ago and, and this would be something even we could... I think we'll fit in a little bit to our topics that we're going to talk about later, but I was kind of setting up an account on one of those, you know, kind of like freelancer voiceover sites, you know, cause I'm like, well, I've got microphones and I've got a, you know, I, this is fairly cheap microphone, but I've got good stuff if I wanted to use it and I know how to do the audio. I could probably do voiceover from home. I thought it'd be kind of fun, Sure, but I don't know. I got sidetracked or something, but. <laughs> As we get in more into the show, you know, we're going to talk about wealth building and multiple streams of income and, you know, knowing our numbers and 
a bunch of other, you know, things like that. So that'll probably come up again. But, you know, before we get into the bulk of that, why don't you give us just a little bit of like kind of your, you know, brief history? Sure. So I grew up in a musical family, uh, you know, not in the like the professional way, but everybody was musicians. Uh, I, I, there were six kids in my family, and, uh, and I was the only one who didn't get piano lessons. But I'm the only one who makes a living in the music business. So, you know, explain that. Uh, I'm a guitar player and a singer. And so I spent a lot of time in music shops as a, as a teenager and just always thought that that would be a really cool thing to do. I went to school, ended up with a degree in accounting, ended up a CPA, and, um, and was doing that. But I was absolutely miserable. So one day I'm laying in my house and I'm reading a real estate magazine because uh, my wife at the time was wanting me to buy a house. And uh, I ran across this ad that said, musicians own your okay. own music store. And uh, that was uh, 30 years, 29 years ago, right about this time of year. And, uh, and I walked in there and two weeks later I owned it. And, and I've been in the music business ever since. My original, you know, so I've, there've been a lot of ups and downs in my career in the music business. Yeah. Um, I, you know, my original bent was wanting to be a retailer. I wanted to carry high-end, high-end mm-hmm. acoustic guitars. And, uh, and that was, you know, that is my, you know, my really yeah. true love. But this was the early 90s <clears throat> and the landscape was changing. Guitar yeah. Center was expanding like mad. So was Sam Ash. Mars Music was out there for a while doing a bunch of damage. And the, you know, and that was kind of the beginning. And then the internet came in. And so by 2001, um, the whole landscape <laughs> had kind of changed. And so I decided to open a second location. I don't know why, because it was really just an expensive hobby at that particular point. But it was an educational focus. And so we really shifted gears, tested some new models and some new things. And that really took off. Uh, oddly enough, it was September 11 when we started construction on that. Uh, that project, wow. the towers were coming down as we were unloading the Home Depot truck in front of the place. Oh my gosh! So you'll never forget that. Wow, never forget it. And so you know, we we <clears throat> I w- I was working at Guitar Center then, and it's funny you would because I started at Guitar Center on two five ninety. That's when I started in the drum department of the Central Chicago Clark Street Guitar Center. There you go. Um, and then I worked in South Chicago, but it's interesting, yeah, that you kind of bring up the music retail in the nineties. Cause yeah, when I started there in 90, there was 15 guitar centers and then whatever, like, you know, maybe six or seven Sam Ash stores in New York, primarily New York, New Jersey. And, and that was kind of it for the big boxers. Right. And within a year or two of me being at guitar center was when kind of the talk started of like, cause prior to that, they'd opened like one new store, you know, like every five or six years, maybe right. guitar center would, you know, all on their own dime, you know, purely, you know, self-funded. And, um, <clears throat> and so I was kind of there, I was in the room at the managers. I got my own store and I was at the store manager retreat when they were like, okay, we're going to introduce, you know, John Johnson. He's from bank of America. And this is, you know, Steve Jones from Chase Bank. And we were all like, whoa, what's going on? And that was the start of that. But uh, I remember, you know, interacting with a lot of small retailers, you know, or smaller retailers during that time. And, you know, it was 
it was good for the industry in some ways because, you know, some of the companies, some of the guitar companies, you know, they were expanding manufacturing just to keep up with the type of orders and the expansion. But, you know, also obviously really tough for the small retailer, you know. Sure. So I, I, I really remember those days well. So you open the second uh, location on 9-11, or you start building it right. on 9-11. We opened six weeks later. It was pretty quick. And uh, we, uh, you know, we grew to, as an organization, and we, we added a third location in a strip mall in 2005. We grew to just about 800 students. We got to the place where wow. our next target was 800 we were breathing down on it and then 2008 came and we started a slow steady deadly decline and uh you know we probably didn't start to actually grow back again uh until 2012 and then you Mm -hmm. know then started inch back up again um we you know our product mix has changed so we started off music was the only thing that we did. We did add a dance program in 2005. It was very small. It was less than 100 students for the first 10 years. But we have nearly 500 students in the dance program wow. now, and we have about 500 music students. So it's almost split 50-50. And we, have a, we also have a musical theater program as well. We stage three shows a year with that. So... That's cool. Yeah, so we've weathered a lot of different stuff. We've, you know, continued to, you know, tweak our product mix and and figure out things, you know, through a bunch of different changing environments and changing um, customer wants, needs, expectations, and things like that. So that's kind of the long story of my musical career. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, Do you think now, so... you were talking about 2008. So you, you had, obviously you had your school quite a bit before I did. Um, my school was kind of small in 2008. We maybe had, you know, a hundred students. And I remember when I look back at it now, I, I remember thinking to myself, man, I'm glad we hadn't really expanded much, you know, and we were kind of small at that time. Cause I felt like it was easier to navigate, you know, those tough times. And the other side, I guess, to the coin is now, as we're, you know, probably entering a really, really, really tough economic situation again, I feel like it's almost tougher for me because I'm at a certain mid-level size. Do you think, I mean, <clears throat> is there, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of putting myself in your type of position. I mean, obviously, as your school gets bigger, your overhead is bigger and all those things. But is there kind of a, a turning point where, you know, between all these programs you have, musical theater and dance and lessons and a big business now, that in this next challenging economic time, you could shrink quite a bit and still be financially solvent? Yes, um, I think so. In fact, it, you know, there's economies of scale that are going to happen now, just being able to... Uh, to do more stuff virtually instead of, you know, instead of it being, you know, we've always, we've always had people asking us, you know, will you come to our house and teach? I think we just became really good at coming to their house and teaching. (laughs) And so, and I have thought about, 
you know, you know, because I think most of us, Danny, you kind of say that you don't have this situation because you've really hired right. But I think we all have a few employees that, you know, that we probably wouldn't have, um, you know, in an ideal situation. And I think that this will give us the opportunity to maybe keep mm-hmm. the rock stars. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I have one or two for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and so that that is kind of what I what I foresee as possible is that we will do, um, you know, we'll definitely do some refining. We'll we'll see how we can streamline our processes. I mean, if in the short term, <clears throat> I don't think I can. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, I don't think I can can really change um, our, you know, our real estate situation, which um, which we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But you know, right now I need to keep the same physical footprint, but I'm definitely going to have an eye on can I shrink my footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how can we do things more efficiently? I already fig- think we figured out some ways to do things administratively more efficiently. And I think that my administrative staff is happier working from home. And if I can figure yeah. out how to keep them working from home and not actually have to come in the studio, uh, there's ways to economize that and my staff will be happier. So if I can, if I can win those two things, you know, yes. um, then you know, then yeah, I see, see significant abilities. And I was just on a, a call the other day. Um, well, you were, you and I, Danny, we were talking about it, the Andrew Yang call, you know, yeah. there's millions of employees that are never going to go back to work. If you look, if you believe Andrew Yang. And I think that that's accurate. Yeah. I, yeah, I was listening to his new podcast and you know, I, 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 it just sort of gave me another shot of adrenaline in the arm to, to think about our businesses moving forward. Like, it, it's really not going to go back to normal. Some things or some elements of it, it's not sure. like every student who is going to stay online. There's always, you know, there's going to be a bunch of students that want to come to your school. And, you know, a lot of the things that we currently enjoy, um, you know, I don't think it's a total... You know, all retail isn't going to go away. You know, some bad retail that was already on the way out is going to go away and not come back, you know, sure. and that that was something he was kind of talking about. But it, it did it did give me that shot in the arm to go. Yeah. You know what? This is the time to really think about these changes and how that landscape is going to be different. And how do you get ahead of that? And I love your idea of, you know admin people or certain elements of your, you know, your workforce staying at home. I mean, I get, I love working from home. I, I, I'd be happy if I never really went to the school ever again, personally. Sure. I, I love working from home. So, um, yeah, I think those things are, are really, are really going to change. And I think we, we've got to be on top of it the way that you are in evaluating those things. One of the things that you had kind of mentioned when we were prepping was knowing your numbers and how that's going to impact your business. Could you touch base a little bit more on that? Sure. So I'll give you a little bit of history about that. So, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I'm an accountant by, by background, um, you know, but I'm not one of these really crazy, crazy. like, you know, the typical, what everybody thinks stick up their ass, (laughs) you know, kind of accountant is, Um, you know, we're, we're, everything's got to be in a row. I'm more like, I'm a big picture accountant. Like I like to look at everything. And, and take in all of the information and the data 
and you know and make decisions based on that. But when we first opened that place in 2001, when I was talking to you about it, you know, it it was brand new, and so we didn't have any baggage, and you know, and so the rent was 900 bucks a month. Yeah, and we were like, yeah. Okay, we need you know 40 students to pay the rent. You know, or I don't remember exactly how the numbers all fell out. You know, so we got to 40 students, and and we opened that place in a vacuum. We grew from zero to 200 students in a year, um, and. And so it was, it was great, but, you know, we would say, all right, now we need, we only need, you know, 25 more students and we'd be set, you know, and, and then we'd get those 25 and sure enough, we figured out how to spend all that money and we'd be like, all right, just another 25 and we'll be set. And what I learned in that process is it's really helpful to document all of your expenses and where all of your money is going and how you're paying your teachers and what miscellaneous um, costs creep up as your student load creeps up. And, yeah. and, um, and so knowing your numbers, knowing your, not just your income side, but your expense side really helps you to make decisions. And, you know, and, you know, you mentioned we're kind of a big organization. And so there's a lot of things that we had been spending money on <laughs> that it wasn't a big deal. You know, yeah. we, we could buy, you know, whatever toilet paper we wanted. We didn't have to buy the cheapest toilet paper. And like, like I said, half of our half of our business is dancers and, and girls use a lot of toilet paper. I just want to say. Um, particularly little girls. Anyway. So. Um, you know, but, you know, but are there, are there things mm-hmm. that, you know, that you, you should be aware of the stuff that you're spending that's extra, that sure. is not necessary so that when, cause this isn't the first time this has happened, right? You know, so there was a economic downturn in the nineties, there was the one in 08, um, right. and then there's this one now. And so it does seem like that, you know, every decade or so we should be planning for this and we should be expecting it. And, you know, and so, and so knowing, and, and the yeah. reason why I brought the knowing your numbers thing up is it's good to know what you personally need as an owner. Okay. Um, so I mentioned that, you know, when this thing whole happened and, you know, and it, you know, it set all of us a little sideways and, and, you know, and I don't mind admitting there was a particularly dark day where I was just losing it, you know, because, you know, I, I take employing my people seriously all of my employees are employees and it's been that way since 2001 um and you know so sure you know the prospect of me telling someone hey i don't have a job for you you know i I take a certain amount of responsibility when i say i'm gonna hire you you know and you know it, it took another person to say to me hey you didn't actually cause coronavirus you know, this happened to all of us. And if some bad stuff happens, you don't have to take personal responsibility for it. But what I did look at at that particular point in time is I, I said, because my wife runs the company with me, you know, we're totally equal. We both work tons and tons of hours in this thing. And what I wanted to do is not be in a place where, you know, the next time this happens, I want to have a sustainable income that she and I can live off of for our yeah. own personal expenses. And if we had to walk away from everything else, that would be totally fine. So knowing your numbers for me came back to, all right, how much is my mortgage? What are my utilities? What are my miscellaneous expenses that I want? What do I need to live on? And then Mm -hmm. how can I build a new thing that is independent of all of my other structures and all of my other things 
it's still our core competency. You know, it's still music lessons, but it's right. in a new format, and it doesn't have all of the, you know, trappings of a physical space and all of those other things. You know, and how much money do we need? And and I literally I came up with you know at the price point that we were at, you know, I came up with the exact number of people that I need, and because there's you know, very limited expenses with this. I was able wow. to pinpoint it. And in two weeks, we're at 25% there, you know, and it's, and there, so there's no reason, I don't feel like there's any reason by the end of May, when hopefully the lockdown in Illinois happens, that, you know, she and I will be set mm-hmm. as far as, and this is a totally new revenue stream, right? Now I did, you know, I cannibalized our list, right? We had 3000 people on our mailing list. We do have some people from outside of our com- current community that are taking advantage of this as well. Um, but, um, you know, but yes. knowing, knowing that, knowing your numbers is like really important. Like, what do right, you right, need right. to survive? I used to, I had a boss who said, you know, you have to know what your nut is. Sure, sure. You know, your what is that? Nut. Yeah, yeah. What is that amount that, you know, what is, that's like a business term. Sure. It's a dumb business term, but, uh, you know, you have to know what that number is. So that you know where you have to be. I think I, I think everybody obviously went through, you know, some tough days and, and it certainly it hit me really hard um, when all this happened because A, I wasn't at the school. I was in the recording studio recording drum tracks for what was gonna be like my last album ever with with my band. And I'm recording song number twelve, and it's called Farewell Song. And I'm like going holy shit like this is just crazy you know that this is you know we're doing this song this is the last song i'm gonna play on for my in my band (laughs) you know on a recording ever and i'm watching like the text messages or the emails are just coming through people just dropping lessons and it's like it just seemed like wow everything's falling apart you know and i went through you know it it was a tough week and then i kind of just did very similar to what you're talking about where I just figured out, okay, what do I need to do? How do I, what's plan A, B, and C, depending on, you know, how things go to make sure that I'm covered, that I'm going to be okay first, you know, that I've got a plan. And then, you know, obviously like, what are we doing to save the business and, you know, keep the employees going as long as humanly possible and, and all those kind of things. And then about a week after that, I really just shifted 100% into new business mode. What's it going to look like? What are we going to do? And how are we going to try to come out of this thing a year from now going, wow, this, this, we, you know, it actually kind of looks better now for us, you know? And I, for me, that's the only way I could try to approach it. Otherwise, I'm just going to like be depressed and, you know, be in a corner and just be, you know, crying misery and foul and, for me and you know why did this all have to happen and you know and I think I, again I'm, I'm not completely out of that right. mode there are days where you're just like oh my god this is brutal you know and or or days I think more likely within any given day you're like all right we got a new plan and then oh there's bad news and then this happens you know and it's just you're up and down all day and you know I, I think it's totally acceptable for everybody to feel that way and right you know and be in that mode but like you like you're saying you know you guys really pivoted and have a new plan and you're it sounds like you're really making great strides 
towards towards getting there. Something that I, you know, I, I don't know if it's true or where I heard it from. It's just one of those things that they say like that, you know, most millionaires have like seven income streams or, you know, it's, it's probably one of those wives tales things or something. But I've kind of always in the last few years thought more and more about it. And, and I, I don't really have like, I think you'll see see a change in people's perspectives again after this crisis averts but we we did see it in 2008 you know where i was sure. at in orange county in 2008 you know people were living like they were millionaires you know based off of their equity in their houses you know it was really a false economic you know high that tons of these people were on and you know and when i left guitar center you know, I, I mean, I, I didn't know there was going to be a downfall. Right. You know, I left Guitar Center right before this all happened. So, you know, I went from, you know, having my house payment and a car and a motorcycle and all these things, you know, Absolutely. to six months later, I was driving a used 99 Toyota pickup truck. And, you know, and I had, <laughs> you know what? I wish I had that truck right now. That thing was awesome. Little four cylinder Toyota. It was killer. Yeah, dude, the thing was awesome. Well, it's also the favorite truck of landscapers, like, you know, all the Mexican landscapers and stuff. And every time I would come out from somewhere, there'd be a note on my car from somebody who was like, hey, man, if you want to sell this truck. (laughs) You know, it was was California, no rust. (laughs) But yeah, no rust, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I, I, you know, and I went through a little period then of feeling bad about myself because I had built my whole life up to have like great credit, you know, and I had like my platinum American express card that I'd had for 10 years. And, you know, I drove a fancy car and, you know, lived in an expensive orange County neighborhood and all that stuff. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to rent a place to live. I'm driving a 1999 pickup truck and I'm filing bankruptcy. And I went through like that period of like, God, how did I become a loser? All of a sudden, after years of building all that up and, and it's really, you know, emotionally, that stuff can really take a toll on you. But I, I remember when my right. bankruptcy attorney, I even said something to him. And I went, God, look how much money I made the year before. How how am I sitting here right now? He said, you know, don't worry. The guy that was here before you made like two million dollars last year. You know, like he's like those credit card companies, they've made tons of money off you. Don't feel bad. He's like most of the people I deal with are very wealthy you know, when they file bankruptcy and it made me feel a little bit better. And then there was a point within a few weeks or so where the lack of stress of having all that overhead and car payments and all that was gone. And I was like, Oh my God, this is kind of cool. And I have lived my life differently ever since then. I've never had a car payment again since 2008. I just go and buy a used car. I don't care. Like I don't need a fancy vehicle. I, you know, there's things I like. Yes, I like motorcycles. I buy a used one. I like to spend money on certain things. But I think after 2008, we right. saw a shift with a lot of people where they were like, you know what? Maybe the fancy stuff, that's not really what's important. And I think, wow. you know, we've seen that continue as there's been these trends of people downsizing and, you know, living in, you know, a tiny house or the van life movement. Um, and I think we're probably going to see a whole nother shift in that way. And so when we, when we talk about like multiple streams of income, 
my goal, like I, I don't have a goal where it's like, oh, I, I need to make this huge amount of money from my school and I need to make a huge amount of money over here. I kind of set myself up with multiple streams that are all kind of, they're all pretty small individually, but then they, <clears throat> they add up to what, you know, what I need as my nut. And I've made sure that my nut is actually <clears throat> small and I'm always trying to make it smaller. I'm like, maybe I could move out of this rental house. You know, I rent a place for 2250. Do I really, you know, I've got empty rooms. It's like, do I really need any of this? You know, can I find something smaller that has a garage? Cause I really want a garage, sure. you know? And, and, and so what's your thoughts on kind of like the multiple streams of income type of scenario? Hey guys, real quick before we get back to the show, just so you know, Music Lesson Business Academy is currently closed for enrollments. However, you can dip your toe into more content like this, extra podcast episodes, and other little goodies of marketing gold by becoming a Patreon supporter. Go over to patreon.com. You can search Music Lesson Business Academy or Danny Thompson, and links will also be in the show notes. Now back to our show. So I too have always kind of had more than one stream. Um, so I mentioned that, you know, I got out of accounting and I got into the music business. So one of the things that I did at the same time was I started preparing income taxes for individuals and businesses. And I did that for 25 years um, as well. Uh, I, uh, I worked with, um, I was primarily in the AV side, but I worked with a high-end wedding band as well. And um, in Chicagoland area, that was a big thing. I mean, our band would, would charge ten dollars to $15,000 a night um, to play your wedding and stuff like that. And I was making, at one point in time, I was making $50,000 a year doing that. Um, in addition to the music school, in addition to the taxes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I own some rental property, you know, so um, I do, you know, I I have some tenants. Some of the rental property that I own, I actually rent to myself. So um, two of our studio locations uh, are in uh, freestanding um, commercial buildings. And, uh, and we own one of them outright. And the second one will be paid off here in the next year. Wow, that's amazing. So, and, and I, I, like you, you know, agree that it's, there's an insulation from having uh, multiple streams, you know, you mentioned that your band was always a stream for you, and now, you know, everything's on hold with your band. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's lucky that you have your other streams because I have a lot of musician friends that have no income, not a single dollar, except the tip jar on their on their Facebook live feeds. You know, right, right. Which I don't know what that amounts to. I'm going to call a couple of them up over the weekend and say, "How's that paying for you?" <laughs> well, I, I I could tell you that I did a a drum live stream the other night. I made a hundred bucks. <laughs> you know, that's bar bar gig money, right? You know, it, it is actually. You know, here's here's what's crazy about how my mind works, though, is like I've already got a business model. Like I've been buying some new equipment and stuff. I already have a business model for a live stream thing that I'm going to do. You know, because sure. bands aren't going to be able to tour. So I'm like, OK, how can I, you know, because I started to see like this donation model that people were doing. And I was like, this is actually kind of cool. And then I started following all these DJs and live streamers and I was watching like live streams they were doing and, and, and having the donations pop up. And I was like, wow, 
I just watched for 10 minutes. That guy just got 300 bucks, you know? Right. And I'm like, these guys are killing it, you know? And uh, yeah, really interesting. I think we're going to see that. You're going to see more of that, you know? For sure. I mean, and the multiple streams of, of income thing is, is real. So I, I bought actually... So I'm re-equipping all of my studios to be able to do Zoom lessons and live lessons in the same room. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm acquiring a bunch of used MacBooks. And so I'm driving around the Chicagoland area buying MacBooks. And, and I bought one from a guy yesterday who was a DJ. And, and, uh, but he also does, he also refurbishes MacBooks. And, ah. and then I was getting out of his car because we met in the Denny's parking lot because everything's weird now. <laughs> and I know, and I noticed he had had a lift sticker on the front of on the front of his car. I said, "So how's the lift thing going?" He says, "It's fantastic. <clears throat> All the money I make from food deliveries yeah. is just unbelievable." Yeah. So yeah. here's a guy, you know, I mean, I, I, that like impressed me, you know, and like, <laughs> and his car's not glamorous, Danny. You know, I, I felt I I felt good because I'm missing a hubcap off yeah, of my that's car, awesome. and he was missing a couple off yes. of his car, and and it's just like I felt like a kindred spirit with this guy, and he's. And he's hustling it. And we live in America. Like yeah, if you can't, hustle. if you yeah. can't hustle and make it in America, you know, you're just missing out. You know, I mean, it, it it's a, it's a, it's a struggle. But you know, it, but you know, and and I thought about something interesting yesterday. So one of the places that I went to pick up a MacBook was literally downtown Chicago at five o'clock in the evening. And you sure. know, if you guys know how cities work, and in normal times, I would not be able to just drive down there and, you know, and l literally pull up in front of this building on Clark Street and go inside and buy a MacBook from this lady. But I drove past yeah. several homeless people, and this has to be killing their business. Like, think about it, you know. I, I, um, so, you know, in fact, I was, if I had been able to stop for this one guy, I wanted to ask him how it was going. Because, you know, it slip them 20 bucks because I guarantee you, yeah. you know, all the one dollars that they were getting uh, yeah. aren't there. Absolutely. They just aren't there right now. Um, tell us a little bit more on the real estate side of things, a little bit more of how you've kind of your process over the years of how you've been able to amass all these properties. Sure. So, um, you know, so I don't know if anybody remembers, but back in the 90s, there was a guy by the name of Carlton Sheets who would was selling this um, own real estate um, class. It was before there was like online learning. You know, it's like you bought this cassette tapes in the book, yep, right? Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and his whole deal was, you know, you can buy real estate without any money down and you don't have to use your money and all of that stuff. And I, I went through that whole course and, and you know, I thought I ended up going, I, don't see, I still don't see how this is possible, but I will tell you, I've now bought three properties with, no money down and and I've never and I haven't gotten a single commercial mortgage on them. So I mean I do have a Jesus. commercial yeah, I have a commercial mortgage on my house. Um and uh but uh but the rest of the properties it it is a I will tell you it's about seizing opportunities. So like my number one lesson in life is that you know you have to seize the opportunities when they come up. There are opportunities that I've passed on in my life that I'm still kicking myself about that I know would have worked out. But mm -hmm. the, all of my successes are just that I just grabbed something. I didn't have the complete plan in place. I didn't know how it happened. And so when, you know, I told you guys, you know, I, I, I drove out and I bought a music store in 19, 
91. And, uh, and this is the way that conversation went. I walked in there. I'm talking to the old guy who's, who's selling it. I hadn't really decided um, that I wanted to do it. But he called me up a couple of days later and said, will you come to my house and talk to me about it? He made me an offer I couldn't refuse. He sold me the business only. I, I wasn't prepared to buy the real estate at that particular point in time. Sold me the business only for $5,000 and then another payment of $5,000 a year later, which was about half the, the value of the, of the inventory that was in house. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Now, the business was in serious disarray. Um, it, you know, it was not a, a good, viable business in, in any way, shape, or form. But, um, but at the same time, you know, it was like a no-brainer. Like I had, I had to grab that deal. I had to quit my accounting job, and I had, to, I had to go do that. And I had to make, you know, do a whole bunch of things to make that work. And, and, um, and so a number of years later, I was, you know, I was frustrated with the location of this of this business. And so I went to him and I said, um, I, and I had been renting the renting the building from him from that point in time. And so I went to him and said, you know what, I'm going to move. And, um, and I, you know, cause it's, it's a crappy spot and it is a crappy spot if you're a retail store, because there's no drive-by traffic, you know, it, and all of that, that kind of stuff. And he said, well, how about I sell you the building? Um, I'll increase your rent by a hundred dollars a month and, uh, you know, and you'll, you'll own the building and I'll, and I'll finance it at like 5%. Um, and it was like a, it was, you know, and it was like, again, it was like, you know, somebody would go, well, it's a crappy building. It's in a crappy location, but I, I just jumped on it. I took it, you know, and, and it was, and, and it's, you know, and a lot of, a lot of life is not about the, I've got a whole story about this, which I'll share in a minute. Um, it's the little steps that end up creating wealth, creating future opportunity and stability. Right. So. That yeah. cost me an extra hundred dollars a month, sure. but you know, but fifteen years later, I had you know a hundred fifty thousand dollar building. Right, right. So, um, you know, so it was that opportunity. Then a similar thing happened with our. You know, I told you in two thousand one, we opened a location in another town, and uh, you know, and the the landlord there came to me and said he was thinking about selling selling the building. And he just kind of breathed that ahead of time. And I said, would you consider selling it to me? You know, and um, by the way, I don't have a down payment. Um, but, you know, and so, so you know, uh, so I, my rent in that case, my rent doubled, yeah. and more than doubled. Um, but I was, you know, but I was on my way to owning that building. And that was 14, 14 years ago. I'm a year away from having that paid off. And, and, you know, and so in the middle of that, right, was an economic downturn. And I, I, at one point in time, said to him, you know, I'm in a tough spot. You know, can you help me out? And he said, you know what, I'll, I'll, pay, for the, I'll pay the property taxes for you, you know, which is, you know, like $8,000 nice, a year. Nice. Um, and, uh, and, and that was able to get us through the tough talk. And, yeah, and so it's worked out. And then, you know, I've since bought another apartment building again. Um, no money down and owner financed, um, and 
So when we, you know, so when we see these courses that are like, learn how to buy real estate with no money down, it's not really a scam, huh? It's not really a scam. It, <laughs> it, I will tell you, it is something that I'm not comfortable with, and it is asking people for stuff. You know, so I'm not very good yeah. at like asking. I'm not a, you know, I'm not that. You know, I would I would be a terrible homeless person because I yeah. I would you know like I would I would just not be good at holding that sign asking people right, to help me out. Right. And, and, and that is the number one thing, you know, it's, it's like, you have to be willing to ask, you have to be willing to hear the word. No, it's not different than sales really in that perspective. Uh, you, and, and you have to be willing to take the risk and assume the responsibility because in all of those cases, yeah. there was increased risk to me. Um, there, sure. there was increased expense to me and, you know, and I, and I just, you know, I determined to make it work. So my, my story about how little things add up goes like this. So I told you I used to do income taxes. And uh, one year, um, uh, an older gentleman became a new client of mine. And I'm doing his income taxes. And he's got all of these strange stock holdings. He's got, it, and it's, it's a bizarre mix of, of stocks and stuff like that. And I said, how did you get these? Because he was just like an ordinary laborer guy. He said. Well, in the 70s, I used to hang out at a bar with, with this other guy, and, and he, was, he had inherited all of these shares of Standard Oil Company. And, and uh, at the time, Standard Oil was um, uh, splintering off companies, and they, would, they were like issuing these different companies, and they were issuing um, fractional shares. And this guy at the bar didn't want to own anything that wasn't a full share. So he would sell these fractional shares to Ernie for, like, I guarantee you it was, like, next to nothing, right? And, and so when I meet this guy, he's, like, 80 years old, and he's got, he's got a stock portfolio that's worth, like, $200,000, and it's, it's returning, like, $20,000 a year in dividends to him. And... And it's just all these tiny little fractional <laughs> shares that this other guy didn't want. And it's yeah. so, and it, it, I guarantee, Amazing. yeah, and it was just like, he's just like, I'll give you $20 for that share, you know? And it's like, he would buy two less, you know, a few less beers that night and he'd give the guy some money and he'd end up with these fractional shares. Yeah. So it's like the little things that add up. It's not unlike, you know, the, the levers to the music business thing, right? You know, it's just, we got, yeah. we got this little lever. If we tweak that, we can get yeah. an advantage. Um, and we got this lever, if we tweak that, it's, it's the same thing. And you, ha and you know, you want to be, have your eye on the prize. So like I have a number that I feel like I have to be at in order to retire comfortably, you know, and it doesn't mean I'm going to quit when I get to that number. I might, you know, I might not, you know, but, but I, you know, based on some of the other experiences that I've had with the, some other people that I've worked with, you know, the, the number that used to apply, like it, when I was younger it used to be like if you could just have a million dollars in savings that would you know you'd be able to turn that into enough income to be able to make it to the next level my number's higher than a million significantly um mostly because i met a guy and his number was two two million and um he he wasn't you know, we both did the math on his two million, and that wasn't going to get it done for him. So, <laughs> so I doubled it to four million. You know, and right. you know, so that's in assets and and all kinds of other stuff. Um, 
you know, and I've got a long ways to go to get to that. But, uh, you know, but I'm just trying to find the next little things that are going to sure. get me to that, you know. So, like I said, I just bought it. I bought an apartment building a year ago. Um, and that'll pay off here in 10 years. That's the other thing is, is, is I am a big believer in stretching yourself and getting those mortgage payments in shorter periods of time. Um, gotcha. Okay. You know, because we all know if you, if you have a bill, you have to pay, you will, you know, you'll bust your butt in order to be able to cover that. Yeah. But if, if you don't, you just won't work that hard. You know, it's just like, you know, so stretch yourself a little sure you know you know you don't want to you know you don't want to bankrupt yourself you know we've all we've all got financial failures in our past but um uh you know but stretching a little pays off a lot in the long run particularly if you're financing things you know like properties and stuff like that gotcha it sounds like you should be teaching a course to music school owners <laughs> i think there's a future in that I, for I you would, i'll gladly put that together yeah, let's do it. I think you should do it. That'd be great. This it's really interesting information. I love uh I love hearing your story. I think people are really going to enjoy hearing more. And I think that they will want to hear more of this kind of information from somebody like yourself. So I I I think there really is an opportunity for you there. Uh, that's something I would be really interested in in doing is, you know, if you had a course or something like that for, you know, the small business owner how you know how do they take what they've already started and start to you know branch that out and, and try to amass a little bit of wealth as opposed to kind of you know really just continuing to hust have to hustle just to get by all the time um before we wrap it up here i wanted to ask you because um you know you're in the chicago area that's where i grew up and i have a really good friend you mentioned you know you played in bands and and the dj world and all that and did weddings and stuff so I have this friend in Chicago that seems to know everybody in the world. <laughs> okay. So I always ask people if they know this guy. So I'll be like 10 for 10 if you, if you know this guy. Phil Trocchio. I do not know Phil Trocchio. Oh, oh my God. I thought for Except sure. I was like, okay, the, I, the whole time you were talking, I was like, guarantee you he knows Phil. Guaranteed. <laughs> But now I gotta look him right. up and see. Yeah, you know, I'll, have to, I'll have to do the seven degrees of separation on him. <laughs> oh, um, you, it'll, you! I bet it'll be like two degrees, and you're gonna know him. But uh, Chicago Phil, yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> well, Tim, thank you so much for your time. It was really interesting. I, I I loved this conversation, and I loved hearing some of this stuff. And uh, I I I I'm gonna push you to to put that course together for people because i that's something i would like all right thanks danny i appreciate being on the show my pleasure buddy talk to you soon have a great one if you'd like to hear more stuff like this go over to patreon and become a patreon supporter links are in the show note you'll get one extra podcast a month plus other little tasty goodies of extra music lesson business knowledge.